0: Already mentioned that we are beginning a, a new series of messages uh, for the month of June, entitled um, this, um, "Who Is This Man?" And I think uh, if you look at it here, you're on the screen, and then, particularly, if you look on the front of your bulletin, I love what Amanda did with that—that that she's filled in the letters "What uh, Who Is This Man?" Uh, from some famous artwork. And we just wanted to know if anybody would be able to identify those three different artworks that she's used in that. And I thought this morning, well, uh, what would we give to the first person as a prize if they get that? And, um, I thought, well, we could give them a Vacation Bible School t-shirt. That might, that might be a good thing to do. Or we could give you one of these, um, a hunger hero bands. How about that? Hey, they should be getting five, should be giving five dollars for these. Where's Brad? Brad up in the top up there somewhere? They should be giving five dollars for these. And it all goes towards, to, uh, stopping the hunger that we're going to be addressing. That's going to be in, in uh, for doing it in our community. Uh, this year, but anyway, it's interesting to uh, think about. Uh, you know, who, who is this man Jesus? There's a lot of things to be said about him. And what, what really helped me to think about this um, series of messages is that the week of uh, June 23rd will be in Vacation Bible School, and I love that week. It's always full of activity around here, and people, uh, and so many people working, and children, and and it's just a wonderful time. And the best thing about all of it is is that we are focusing upon Jesus and teaching Jesus to our children, planting seeds of faith and seeing others uh, make decisions for Christ and accepting Him. And I think every year the Vacation Bible School theme gets better and better and better. There's some really talented and gifted people at Lifeway who create these. And this year it goes to a little bit different level. Uh, And it is something important I think for the culture in which we live today that we can say is uh, post-Christian. And that is, it's going to deal with not just um, coming to make a decision for Christ, but but also about being able to defend your faith. And so the, the theme of Vacation Bible School is Agency 3D. And the 3D's are uh, Discover, and Decide, and Defend and we want to encourage our children as we teach every day about Jesus to discover who Jesus really is and that's what we're going to be doing in this series of messages there'll be four different phrases that describe Jesus that we will talk about then uh, we want you to decide to make a decision about Jesus Christ to accept him as your savior and uh, to embrace him as your lord let him be the lord of your life and then to defend you see that that's uh, so significant in our culture today is knowing what we believe Knowing what we believe about what we believe and who we believe in and being able to defend that faith. And that moves us into the area that is really known as apologetics, which is not making an apology for being a Christian, but it means to be able to defend your faith. you got to know what you believe and why. And, and that's so significant today because I think a lot of people out there who are in that category of nuns, not nuns from the Catholic Church, but nuns that list no uh, Christian affiliation, no spiritual affiliation, nothing in their life. But it shows you a lot about the culture in our community today. Some of them are seeking. And they ask you, like First Peter 3.15 says, always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that's in your life. So we've got to be able to give that reason. Why, why do you believe in Jesus? What value does he add to your life? You know, what benefit do you get by being a follower of Jesus Christ? And what do you believe about Jesus? See, we've got, we've got to be able to defend that. And so while we're thinking about discover and, and decide and defend, I thought, well, more than ever, more than ever today, I think, it's so important to have that relationship with Christ and to know what you believe about Jesus and to be able to communicate that faith. And so we are going to look at four snapshots of Jesus over the next four weeks uh, about who He is. And so we begin today by just simply asking some questions about Jesus. Who is this man? And what is so attractive about him? And how has his kingdom remained a vital force in the world with millions of followers if not billions today? Well, uh, history says that Napoleon Bonaparte, uh, a very arrogant and egotistical man, uh, wrote these words... And they are probably some of the smartest words that have ever been said about Christ. But Napoleon Bonaparte said, I know men, and I tell you that Jesus Christ is no mere man. Between Him and every other person in the world there is no possible term of comparison. Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and I, remember this is Napoleon Bonaparte speaking now, have founded empires... But upon what did we rest the creations of our genius? And he answers it by saying, upon force. Jesus Christ founded his empire upon love. And at this hour millions of men would die for him. End quote. Although it's been over 2,000 years since Jesus walked the dusty roads of ancient Palestine... Napoleon Bonaparte is right even so many years after his dynasty died. And that is that people around the world come to Jesus Christ. They find meaning in their life in a relationship with him. And they're willing to die for him. We don't know that much about it here in our culture. But in certain areas around the world, to be a believer is to be threatened with death. And we have seen that's increasing more and more and more in, in the world news as we hear it. And so for that reason, we need to ask, you know, what is it that draws people to Jesus Christ? Why would people be willing to die for Him? Why would the early followers of Christ, the disciples who were scared to death the, the first night of His resurrection, and they could be turned into being mighty leaders in the kingdom of God and becoming the first martyrs, not fearing to die for their faith in Him? See, what draws people to Christ? What is Jesus really like? What was it like to be around Jesus would you, would you like to pick a day in the life of Jesus and go back in time and spend that day with Jesus? What would it be? What day would it be? Maybe it would be the day of, of the story we are going to look at in our scripture today out of Luke 5 and healing the paralytic that his friends dropped down through the ceiling. Maybe you would like to be there the day that he gave the Sermon on the Mount, greatest sermon ever preached. Maybe you would have been like to have been there when the little boy talked about the, the miracle that Jesus did with the, with the loaves and fish and he said, I'd like to have been with Jesus today that he loafed and fished. You know what day in the life of Jesus would, would you like to go back and spend with him? I think it would be exciting to do that. You learn about what kind of person he was and how did he deal with the problems of life and how did he treat people? How did he treat people? Oftentimes people who, who rank and people who have wealth and power and prestige are often classified and they're quite truly in, in many cases they are, are separated and aloof from other people, normal people. You've heard the phrase, uh, let them eat cake, that supposedly was said by Marie Antoinette, the Asian, uh, Austrian princess who became queen of France uh, after marrying Louis the 16th, Louis the 16th. She supposedly said that when word came to her that the followers in the kingdom there, the peasants were out of bread, they had no bread to eat, that she said, let them eat cake. And that was kind of a flippant, arrogant attitude that she had. Now, whether it was truly said by her or not, it is true that she was one of the first to be beheaded in the early days of the French Revolution. But the legacy lives on. And a lot of times, uh, a common people, lower class people, not up in the upper echelon of people who have wealth and, and prestige and power and all of that, is that they're looked down upon. And that's certainly not the case with Jesus. He's not out of touch with us, He's not out of touch with our needs. He, he knows what it's like to be us, He knows what it's like. They have to struggle through life. See, Jesus is is here for the rest of us in this uh, culture and society uh, who deal with the everyday struggles of life. You get a bank draft, um, overdraft notice from the bank. And you wonder, does anybody else know what this is like? Or maybe somebody treats you like dirt. They, They slander you. They say terrible things about you. And you wonder, does anybody understand how I really feel about this? Sometimes we doubt ourselves and we disappoint ourselves. And we think that no one could possibly identify with us. Nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody knows what I've been through. And and, and if any of you are here today with that kind of feeling, let me tell you this. Jesus knows what it's like to feel like what you feel. Because he's been there as well. Everything that you have experienced by the way of, of ridicule, persecution, rejection, slander, whatever it might be, he has done that as well. He's experienced that as well. And so as we look over the next four weeks and we ask who is this man, uh, we'll be aided by some film clips out of the movie, um, Son of God. And we're going to look today at the first incident that we look at, and that's in Luke 5, uh, though it's shown, uh, it's it's recorded in three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And here we go with a a video out of the movie uh, about this scene that we're going to talk about in just a few moments. shall we picture the kingdom of God it is like a mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field the smallest seed in the world yet when planted grows up. Rabbi. sins are forgiven, my son. Did you hear that? He has forgiven his sins. I thought only God could do that. Isn't that blasphemy? He knows. It is blasphemy. Is that your wish, my friend? Well, answer me. Tell me which is easier. To say his sins are forgiven. Or say... Get up. Wait, the Son of Man has authority to forgive sin. I don't think I've ever seen a movie based upon a book in which the movie didn't take some liberties with the book. That's not the way I would have pictured that scene. Uh, because I just have the scene of where that looked like Jesus was in a courtyard. It looked like that to me. And uh, the guy was dropped down through, through the roof t- to one man. And it looks like maybe if that character was Peter who brought him to Christ it was only one man who did that. But I've always had that image that Jesus was in the house and it was easily accessible so even though it was crowded by going on the steps that went up to the flat roof where people would often go in the evening to escape the heat of the day. And they dropped him down and lowered him somehow by ropes right in front of Jesus. And the scripture kind of seems to indicate that. But anyway, that's that's a movie. But uh, here's what we know: what happened for real, because it's in the scriptures today. Look with me at Luke five, beginning in verse seventeen. One day, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law, who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, were sitting there. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd. They went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. The Son of Man we look at today, thinking about who is this man. In verse 24, Jesus is the one who calls himself the Son of Man. And he says, The Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. That was one of Jesus' favorite names for himself, for the Son of Man. In fact, he was called Son of Man at least 88 times in the New Testament. In Matthew 8.20, Jesus said, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And then in Matthew 12.8, he said, "...the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath." So Jesus understood who He was as the Son of Man. And so when He called Himself and identified Himself as the Son of Man, He was making a clear reference to Himself as being the Messiah, the promised Messiah. Now, the Jews of Jesus' day expected the Messiah to come in human flesh and to be a human being, but to come as a conquering king like David, following after David's lineage and his heritage. And would be a, a, a warrior who would lead them to freedom. And out of the bondage which they found themselves. So Jesus really didn't surprise them when He came as a human. But He did surprise them when He came as fully human and more. And then some because He was also fully divine. He was God in the flesh. And so when we look at this title, Son of Man, we... we I think we can say that that it means that Jesus is not out of touch because he was fully human as well as fully divine. Jesus knew what it was like to work hard. Uh, he, He was a carpenter. He knew what it was like to have a blister on his hand. He knew what it was like to help support a single parent family. He knew what it was like to face disappointment, rejection, betrayal, and grief. See, the bottom line is he came as a human being because he knows what it's like to be you. And that's so significant for us today. That means he's able to identify with you and your sorrows and your sufferings as well as the successes and the pleasures in your life. And so we need to look at this this name, the Son of Man today, as we we seek to to define and to discover and decide about who is this man. And there are three Three specific things that, that the Son of Man provides for us, knowing who we are and being able to identify with our life. The first one I would say is that the Son of Man offers acceptance. The Son of Man offers acceptance. I think we see that in, in the first three verses of our story. Jesus was teaching, the house was crowded. Uh, no more people could get in. It was overcapacity. And then these men show up with their friend on a, on a pallet or a bed of some sort. And they couldn't get in the house, but they weren't stopped. And we typically seem, seem to think that it was four men. And I guess maybe because there would be four corners on that pallet. But yet Mark is the only one of the three writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, who to say it's four men. And, we, and what we read in Luke just simply says some men came and brought him. And when they saw they couldn't get to, to Jesus that way, they became creative. And they went up the outside steps to the top of the roof where it was easily uh, accessed and they could break apart the roof, separate the tile and, and, uh, and uh, the other things that were there, the straw that made it a roof, and drop him down through the beams that were there. They, they didn't give up. They persisted. And the interesting thing is that Jesus was in the middle of teaching about the kingdom of God. And here comes this guy dropping through the ceiling. And it looks like in the story, that's Peter who comes on the movie, who comes and brings it to him. It did not upset Jesus. It didn't bother him. Jesus didn't say, whoa, I'm in the middle of doing something here. But he stopped what he was doing and he gave the paralyzed man his attention. And this is something significant. Don't miss this. A lot of people today are lonely and isolated and rejected because they cannot find acceptance anywhere. And oftentimes it's hard to fit in in it. Sometimes at school. Sometimes at work. Sometimes even in church and in a Sunday school class. Sometimes it's hard to fit in and be accepted. Especially if you're a little bit different and not like everybody else. But remember this about Jesus. Not only does He offer acceptance, but Jesus is infinitely approachable. That you can come to Him at any time, with any situation, and with anything on your heart. But every time I look at the story and I think about it, I wonder, did the owner of the house have anything to say about a hole being torn in his roof? You ever thought about that? You know, a couple of Fridays ago, we had a hail storm that came through. Some of you had hail damage on the roof. Some of you, I understood, uh, had the car damage, damaged the windshield, broke stuff, chrome, all that kind of stuff on cars. Uh, some of the siding on houses had holes in it. I hope you had adequate insurance for it. I have to ask my insurance agent about this uh, because I'm wondering, are those things like that, is that considered an act of God? Isn't that that what that is, hell and those kinds of things? So I wonder if putting a hole in the roof for the man to come down to Jesus so he could be healed, if that would have been considered an act of God. I wonder if it would have been covered if they had insurance back then. But at any rate, it didn't upset Jesus, it didn't alarm him, it didn't throw him off. So what made these men think that they could get their friend in the presence of Jesus, you know what made them go to so much trouble? What made them keep going? Well, I think the next line is that it was their faith. See, they had faith. They believed Jesus would see them. They believed He would notice their friend. They believed He could do something that no one else could do, and that's still true today. Jesus hasn't changed. He is accessible. And that means that no matter how much difficulty you might have fitting in today, somewhere you have a difficulty fitting in. But you can come to Jesus at any time because He will offer to you acceptance. I love a verse that's in the New Century Version in John six thirty seven, where Jesus says, The Father gives me my people. Every one of them will come to me, and I will always accept them. You see, that means that no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, Jesus will always accept you. He won't turn up his nose at you. He won't turn you away. He won't laugh in your face. And that means you can come to him just as you are. See, so you, don't, you don't have to make yourself fit in. You don't have to meet a specific dress code or salary level or live in a certain neighborhood. Because Jesus accepts you just as you are. You don't have to look like everybody else. Jesus accepts you. Now He won't force Himself on you. He'll wait for you to come to Him. But He offers you that invitation. He makes Himself available. And so I encourage you today to come to this Christ. Come to this Son of Man who is infinitely accessible and is ready to welcome you. And ready to embrace you and ready to accept you. See, that gives you significance and meaning right there, doesn't it? But then there's a second thing, even deeper and more meaning than that, is that the Son of Man offers forgiveness. See, look at verse 20. When Jesus saw their faith, He said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, I find that verse to be intriguing for a, a couple of reasons. First, you notice that it doesn't say when Jesus saw His faith, referring to the paralytic who was on the pallet or the bed, or whatever it was you want to call it, But it says, when Jesus saw their faith, who was he talking about? The disciples? The people crowded around him? Who was he talking about? He's talking about the men, if it was four of them, who brought their paralyzed friend. He saw them, that they had faith, and they had faith that Jesus could do something for their friend. And they came. We don't know the mindset and the heart of everybody else who was around, sitting around. They knew Jesus was an entertaining teacher. They knew he was teaching great things about the kingdom of God. They never heard it before like he did. But what encouraged these guys was their faith that Jesus was different and he would do something. He would do something. Now maybe, His how it applies to you. Maybe today you've come kicking and screaming. You didn't want to be here today. You'd rather be somewhere else. Maybe you came with absolutely no faith that you would hear something that could change your life. You know, maybe you've said, this is boring, this is irrelevant. Nothing meaningful for me. And that might be true. But let me tell you there are other people who believe that God can do powerful things in your life. They might be seated around you and behind you in front of you. Well, some of them are gathered downstairs in a room and they are praying. We have a team of people with some deacons who pray through every worship experience we have on Sunday mornings. And they are praying for God to do great things in the life of this church and in your life. So see it might be that Jesus sees their faith, hears their prayers, and He makes Himself available and known to you with whatever's going through your life. Now the second reason that this is intriguing is because He was a paralytic. He was brought to Jesus a paralyzed man. What do you think is obvious that the friends wanted Jesus to do to the man? Heal Him. Heal Him, right? That's what you would do. It's what I would do. And we know that that was going on because verse 17 says, the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick, But that's not what he did when he got the man, when the man got his attention. He said, he didn't say be healed. He said to him, you are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven, my son. You're forgiven. Now, don't think that this man was paralyzed because of his sins. There's another incident also where a man was born blind and Jesus was asked the question, who sinned, his mother or his father that this man was born blind? And Jesus said, neither. But he's this way so that the glory of God can be revealed to you and Jesus healed the man. Now there are some sins that have, have a tremendous influence detrimental to our bodies. They, they can have terrible destructive force upon our bodies. But that's not the case here. Because Jesus would have alluded to it in another way. That's not why Jesus extended forgiveness. But it was because Jesus wanted to show us that he was always ready to forgive. And that says that the Son of Man is infinitely gracious. And he has that forgiveness ready to offer to every one of us. And why do we need that forgiveness? Well, because of sin. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And sin is more than just breaking God's law. Sin is having our lives put together all wrong or backwards. See, it's the opposite of living in a relationship with God. The first thing that's wrong in our life when we, when we are in sin is that we miss all the good things that God has in store for us in a relationship with Him. See, we're, we're covered with sin and we're living in sin. We're living the opposite way in which God wants us to live. And we miss out on the life that God has for us. But here's even a deeper tragedy than that. Because if love and faith and hope are not shaping and driving our lives, then something else is. It could be something like bitterness, or fear, or hate, or selfish ambition, or maybe spiritual indifference. And all of those are destructive forces and they're part of our sinful life. And when you hear those words, maybe you realize that they stir up some memories of you and your past and your life and where you are today. And you want to get rid of that junk. Then you need to come to Jesus because Jesus offers as the Son of Man forgiveness. He offers to you forgiveness and He's the only one who can offer to you forgiveness of your sins. I mean the the Pharisee there was right when he said only God can forgive sins but Jesus was there as God in the flesh. And He called Himself the Son of Man. You see, when we we talk about salvation, oftentimes it's called being saved. And being saved has two aspects. One is being set free from the power of sins that have been running our life. And the other is being set free from the guilt and the shame that those sins put into our life. But you see, forgiving sins and restoring relationships is what God is all about. The Bible tells us He purposed in His heart before the foundations of the world to redeem us, to have a relationship with us. In Isaiah in two specific places God speaks through the prophet Isaiah in verse chapter 1 verse 18 and He says, Come now let us reason together says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet they shall be white as snow and though they are red as crimson they shall be like wool. And then in Isaiah 43-25 God says, I I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. You might want to underline that in your Bibles if you have it open to that. And he says, I will not remember your sins. Now you see, our sins should not be taken lightly and our forgiveness should not be taken for granted. But these verses remind us that God forgives us for his own sake. Now what does that mean? It means that God has promised that when we come to him, confess our sin and acknowledge it, he forgives us our sin. And God is all about that. He said, let's sit down and reason together about this. And I will forgive you because of my sake. I will forgive you. So it comes down to ultimately forgiveness is a gift that God gives to you through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And once we experience that forgiveness, then we can live that life that God wants us to live. That full, abundant, and meaningful, purposeful Life where we know that we are significant and we have a life to live for the glory of God. So, as always, Jesus is ready and available to offer you the forgiveness that you need. Maybe it's the sins of a lifetime that have brought you to this place in your life where you have never acknowledged Christ as the Savior of your life and the forgiver of your sins. Or, Or maybe you just simply need forgiveness for the sins of this past week. Or maybe you need forgiveness for the sins you committed last night. Come on, confession is good for the soul. Or more likely for most of us, it could be that you need forgiveness for the sins that you committed on the way to church. You were driving like a maniac and screaming at the kids and yelling at your spouse. Why were you late holding us up? Who is this idiot jerk in front of me He's going to speed limit on all times? You know? Whatever it is that you need to be forgiven of, come to God today. Come to the Son of Man, find forgiveness. And there's a third thing I see in this story, and that is that the Son of Man offers wholeness. This is, this is just where this story is so powerful. That's why I began here. Look at Luke 5. After the paralyzed man, friends, broke through the roof, lowered him into the presence of Jesus, and Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Then the Pharisees start to think and reasoning in their mind, why is he doing this? You know, you know, who, who says he could do something like this? And Jesus knew all things. He knew they were thinking that. And he told them that. See, why are you thinking these things in your heart? And the story gets so interesting. It's often interesting and rewarding sometimes to note in the Bible what, what's not only said but also what's not said. And, and not only what's done but also what's not done. And I think this passage is a perfect example of this incident in the life of Jesus. Don't you think it would be interesting to know what was going through the mind of this paralyzed man when he's living Jesus. And Jesus in the, in the movie clip put his hands on the paralyzed legs and he said to him, Friend, your sins are forgiven. He looked a little bit confused in the movie. Maybe they got that part right. But it's like he said, I didn't ask for that. I came here to be healed. I didn't ask for that. I came here to be healed. Or maybe he was going to say, well, well, thank you for that. But you know, there's still that issue of this paralysis that I have. Now we don't know, and none of the Gospel writers who record this event tell us uh, exactly what happened. But we, we know what the Pharisees were doing. They started thinking Who is this man? He can't do this. Who is this fellow is what NIV says. They were thinking, who does this Jesus guy think he really is? And when Jesus answered them, he basically said, I'll tell you who I am. I'm the Son of Man. I'm the Messiah. I have both the authority and the power to forgive sins. And the power to heal this man's paralysis. And then he did that. And he told the man, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Jesus revealed himself here as the Son of Man who is infinitely powerful. He's accessible, he's gracious, but he's also powerful. He was God in the flesh. He could forgive sins, he could heal bodies. And that still hasn't changed today. You can come to Jesus Christ because He's powerful and you can find wholeness for your life. See, whether your need is spiritual or mental or emotional or spiritual, the Son of Man is ready to heal you and make you whole. He can heal your broken heart. He can restore a broken relationship. He can heal your your weariness. He can heal your worry. Sometimes He chooses to heal bodies. And God still does miracles today. But always he can heal your spirit if you give it to him. Now you recap this story and you look at it and you see four things that really took place. That makes it a neat story. The paralytic was healed. His sins were forgiven. The crowd was absolutely amazed. They said, we've never seen things like this before. And the Pharisees were shut up. They were won up by Jesus, right? But the crucial issue is still there and remains. Who is this man? He called himself son of man. So, what have you discovered today about Jesus? He called himself Son of Man to say, I am the Messiah who's come as that human being, fully man, but also fully God. And he brought with him the power of God to both forgive sins and to bring about healing. And so, it still leaves you at that point of needing to make a decision about him. You got the facts. He's the Son of Man, He's God in the flesh. Now, what are you going to do with that information? You've got to discover who Jesus is, then you've got to decide for Him. Are you going to decide to accept Him and embrace Him? Or if you've already done that, are you going to live for Him to the glory of God? That leads us to a challenging decision that we've got to make today. And that is, you've got to act on faith. These friends with this paralyzed man acted on faith and they brought him to Jesus because they knew Jesus could do something, and Jesus did. And Jesus can do a miracle like that in your life if you're only willing to trust Him and believe that He can do it. I want us to bow together for a time of prayer as we come to this time of invitation. And I want to preface this prayer time by saying, come to Jesus for acceptance. Come to Jesus and find forgiveness. Come to Jesus and experience wholeness. And if you're a believer in Christ and you've already experienced that and you're living that abundant life, then be in prayer that somebody else here would have a bold enough faith to accept Christ today right now. And if you need to make that decision, if you're in need of coming to Christ, then here's a prayer you might want to pray after me. Lord Jesus, I come. I ask you to meet me where I am. I confess my sin to you. I bring my need to you. I confess my sin. I accept your sacrifice on the cross for the payment of my sins. I ask you to come into my heart and take charge of my life from this moment on. Now if you pray that prayer, then you're ready to make a decision for Christ. And to live for him, let him be the forgiver of your sins, let him be the leader of your life. And you ought to be ready to follow him in believer's baptism and identify with him and be a part of the life of this church. If you're a believer and you're in right standing with God and you feel like you're okay, then, then you need to continue to pray that you will live that life God wants you to live. And I'll close this time with a prayer. Father, we thank you. We thank you today that we've had insight into who Jesus really is as the Son of Man. And that he's here to accept us. He's here to forgive us. He's here to make us whole. To make us a whole person in in, in relationship with you. And find healing for whatever it is that makes us less than whole. And I pray Father that during this time your Holy Spirit will convict hearts and lead to decisions made for your glory. And that you will indeed. Forgive sins for your glory. And people will come to experience that today. And then there will be decisions made for you that will honor your glory. And I pray all that, Father, in the name of Christ, who is the Son of Man, our Savior. Amen.